know it's nitpicky and all that other stuff, but it bothers me. I notice even when I drive, you know, when you're looking at um, uh, Christmas decorations, lights and such, uh, man, it's more now less about uh, Christmas, the true meaning of Christmas, and more so about Santa Claus and the season and so on and so forth, right? Uh, I, I'm telling you, did, uh, in my neighborhood, for instance, Michelle and I were you know, driving home the other day. Was it uh, Wednesday? Wednesday night, possibly? I, I can't remember. One night during the week, we were riding uh, back to our house. I said, man, notice that almost all, no, I think all of, except one Christmas decoration besides mine in our neighborhood, maybe two, have everything to do with the season and nothing about Jesus. Um, I, and, also may, and also very, very, just absolutely, without a shadow of doubt, Halloween decorations were much more plentiful and elaborate. Okay? Oh, you know, here we are. You know, we're worshiping demons and all that. Mm. I wouldn't go necessarily that far. Not on purpose anyway. But it has become... My brothers and sisters, they're just doing what they know to do. When you're not born again, you're doing what you know to do. Because, you know, Christmas in our day, the, the, if you think about even in Christian homes, it is a collection of traditions and things of that nature and practices taken from mo- a lot of cultures, a lot of nations, and it's all conglomerated, if, I, if that's a word. Forgive my grammar. Are, are you with me? Uh, so there's, a, there's this melding, if you will, of several cultures. Several, all, all the nations are... are congl- uh, for, for example, I mean... Uh, and most of them, if not all of them, have predated the birth of Christ. Did you hear what I just said? So all of these traditions and all of these cultural and, and national things that we've brought into the Christmas holiday really have absolutely nothing to do with Christmas and actually predated the birth of Christ, right? So we know that the Roman church, you know, helped out in a big way, all right, dating it and then also, you know, melding it with uh, the winter solstice. And, you know, that's practiced by many people, all, uh, people globally. They may have done it in different ways, but it's all about the sun, the shortness of days, you know, and then from that point forward, the winter solstice, the days start to get longer, and it's a celebration of the rebirth of the sun. Come on, right? The tree, the tree is, is, is also pagan in its, you know, uh, der- derivation in that, you know, it's this evergreen tree represent, right? Come on, you know, I, I, I've read up some things, and many of you can probably, you, many of you probably know more about it, some of these things than I do, as it relates to holly, holly branches, um, um, mistletoe, I mean, all of these things have meanings to other gods, Yule, the Yule Logs, Yule Tide, are you familiar with any of that? That's German, and it's actually toward, you know, it has its derivative in the Norse gods. It's, uh, it's, it's got nothing, it really has nothing to do with the birth of Christ. It's more seasonal, and as it relates to, watch, the worship of a god of Germany, or the German, or those folks that, um, you know, from that area. Are you with me? Okay, I'm not trying to ruin Christmas for anybody. Are, are you with? I'm not trying to tell you, oh, if you're not doing it this way or that way, if you are doing it this way, you're a sinner dog and you're going to burn. I'm, that, that's, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying at all. So I pray, my brothers and sisters, that you know, all of us will get meat from what the Lord is about to share with us and that we will understand and it would somehow, some way, bring us closer to where He wants us to be. Amen? So great God and Heavenly Father, that's my prayer this morning. Lord... 
that you would be with us, that you would lead God and direct me in all that I do and say this morning. Lord, that it may bring guidance, that it may bring uh, understanding. Father, that we may all leave here, Father, more suited to be your disciples than when we came in. Lord, that we would be more mindful as we celebrate Christmas of its true meaning and really have that burning in us. Lord, not that we would feel guilt, not that we would feel condemned, but Lord, that we would truly feel condemnation from Holy Spirit in all matters that don't appeal to you, that are offensive to you, Lord. And you will help us, give us strength and power that we will make those things right. Father, get all the glory here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So, I'm going to, now, are you with me so far? I mean, I didn't turn anybody off. You don't want to leave, hey, open the door, you know. No, but, but let's start real quickly in 2 Timothy, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Here's, here's where we start. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They were, this is what I want you to really get a hold of. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be un, unloving, unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel, hate what is good. They will betray their friends, reckless, be puffed up uh, with pride, and love pleasures rather than God. Man, now, listen. There is no question in my mind that we are living right there, right? But that's not to say that that didn't exist in some form or fashion, probably from the beginning of time, amen? Okay, so, so but now look in this last days, look at how much more prevalent it is, right? And look at because of technology, we've become more, more dependent on technology, but at the same time, because of technology, we can look back and see people's mistakes, see people's lies, see people's hypocrisy. That quick, right? Okay, so we know now that, you know, when they're lying, when they're manipulating, when they're, we know it, right? Okay, so I, I just want to say, because now that we're in the last days, yeah, we, there was always a degree of this after Adam and Eve fell. There was always a degree of this. But my brothers and sisters, it is prevalent now. And now evil is good and good is evil for sure. Okay, listen, some of you are older in here. Not many of you are older than me in here, but there are a couple of you that are older in here. But, <laughs> but, but, but think about it, you know, f- when I was a kid, I, I didn't grow up in the 50s. But I grew up in the 60s and 70s, and then that's when things started to change, but, or change more readily, I should say. But my brothers and sisters, there was still a certain degree of uh, Christian morality in, in the culture. We're talking about culturally. There was still a degree of morality and Christian ethics in the culture. You could still pray in school. You could still acknowledge God. You could still acknowledge Jesus. Amen? Okay, so now that's slowly and surely been taken away from us. So that's taken away so that this other becomes more prevalent. That's, that's only logical. You know, when you, when you take something out, something's coming in, to, coming in to fill it, okay? And so that's what happens. But my brothers and sisters, nothing is holy. Nothing is considered sacred. So much so that now, when we go ahead, and I'm going to get here, golly... Listen, God loves you how you are. He loves you where you are, how you are. But He loves you so much, He's made a way for you to leave where you are because, listen, 
None of us are saved. None of us are good. None of us are holy where we are. It takes Him to make us holy and to take us to the place where He wants us. But He empowers us to do it. Our God loves us and is merciful so that he has go- He's gone ahead. He showed us a way and then helps us to go that way. Are you with me? Okay? So now watch. He loves me. He loves me where I am. When I... Uh, it, it, it got really... Um, Weird for me to see, uh, uh, and we've discussed this before, so forgive me and those who may be watching for the very first time. It got really weird for me to see pastors, preachers, and teachers all tatted up and, and you know, wearing ripped stuff in the pulpit and all this other stuff. Now listen, I'm not saying that is the measure of someone's holiness. So hear me, I'm not saying that. But when you start doing things like that, don't you tear away at the fabric of sacredness and holiness? I'm not saying that what you wear makes you holy. Hear my heart. Hear my heart. But if I were to come in and treat this pulpit so nonchalantly, right, what message am I sending? So now if I'm saying to the young people, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and try to look like you so that I can win you, so that you'll listen to me. I'm going to say some words, and I'm going to say... Now, I understand that we need to be relatable, especially to the young people. And that's why I have a younger person leading the young people. <laughs> Love you, brother. But, but do you understand? But, that, that, but there still has to be a degree of understanding what's sacred. You know, immediately what comes to mind and comes to heart is Hophni and Phineas. Right? Right? The two priests who went in and they absolutely offered what? No. What was it? Strange fire before the Lord. They offered strange fire. Now, no one knows exactly what that strange fire was. But my brothers and sisters, we do know that they had treated less than sacred and holy God's position in the temple. Are you with me? So, so here's what I'm saying. So spiritually, am I doing the same thing when I just start disregarding things of God and going ahead and just, you know, let's just say treat the house of God where we're gathering in the name of the Lord less than like the house of God? Or do I, are, are you with me? Does that make sense to you? Okay, so listen. Again, I don't want anybody out here or over, out in uh, digital land thinking that I'm saying, man, you've got to wear a three-piece suit, tie, and if you're a woman, you have to wear a dress down to your ankles. You can't wear... I'm not saying any of that. It's like I've always told the young people from when we were back down, wherever we were at the YMCA, wherever we started, listen, if all you have are jeans and a t-shirt, wear the best jeans and the best t-shirt you have. Amen. That's all. Nothing wrong with that. God loves you. But showing this, this, there's this little bit of uh, attitude, there's this little bit of, of respect that I have for God and for the other folks around me. Right? Are you with me? So I don't want to get stuck there. I don't want to get caught there. But, but my brothers and sisters, when you start chipping away at these things, the language that we use, the language that we're afraid to use, Jesus is the way, He's the only way. When we say, oh no, I can't say that. I'll be into, when we start chipping away at that, it's now the culture is now, listen, influencing the church rather than the church influencing the culture. Okay? So now as we're going along here, my brothers and sisters, I pray Holy Spirit will convict not just you and not just you out there in digital land, but all of us. 
Okay, where have I allowed the culture to influence me and my approach? You know, what now have I has lost its its rank as of of being sacred or sacred, or what what has lost its relevance as it relates to being holy, set aside for God? Okay, all right. So now I'm going to read to you a little bit, and this is just to remind us where we are. What for us? Okay, here we go. Luke, chapter one, verse sixty-seven. Now. His father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, this is when, I'm going to give you context here. When John the Baptist was born, remember his father was muted because he, he asked for, hey, how am I, give me a sign. How do I know it's going to happen? Right? He didn't just believe what the angel pronounced to him and said, okay, here's your sign. <laughs> Shush up. You're not going to be able to say a word. And remember, when he was naming his son or when they were naming his son, they named him what... The angel said, this is what you should name him. And then all the, the kinfolk said, John, why are you going to name him John? There's no one in your family named Johannan. Why are you going to name him Johannan? And even though Zacharias couldn't speak, he wrote very clearly, he wrote it down. His name is Johannan, or John. His name. I'm not going to mess around. This is what it is. So as soon as he did that, he, he got his speech back. And so, listen, I want to remind you of something. Malachi was the last time that there was a prophet, sure enough, of God, where God was speaking directly through his prophets to his people. In approximately 400 years, other than the angels that I know of, other than the angels speaking, this is one of the first prophecies, recorded prophecies. And so it's a, a great thing. And this is what John the Baptist's father, Zacharias, says, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. Delivered from the enemies, for what? to serve Him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before Him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare His way. Look at verse 77 with me. To give knowledge of salvation to His people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, with which they, which the day spring from the on high has visited us, to give light to to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Hallelujah. Glory to His name. So look at this other one. When he, is, when he is prophesying, He's prophesying all of this stuff. And He's also now prophesying... Let me go to this one. I'm, when He's also prophesying, He's prophesying uh, and He's in line with what Isaiah had prophesied centuries before this happens. And, and look at what He says. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen, that day spring. That day spring represents the rising sun. That, day, that sun comes up and lights everything. Are you with me? All right. So that, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you. Now, let me pause here for a moment. When he says, let me read verse 2, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. What's he describing there? He's describing the time just before Jesus came. Isn't he? Darkness. Deep darkness. My brothers and sisters, if he was talking about darkness and deep darkness then, what do you think we look like to God now? 
my brothers and sisters, the son, of our, the son who loves us is going to split that sky any day. You need to make sure that you're ready to go. Amen? Amen. And His glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Are you, see, so we've got this picture in the prophecy that Zacharias is prophesying. This day spring is going to happen. And, and, right? He's talking now of the Messiah. He's talking now that his son is going to be the, the one who's announcing the Messiah. He's the forerunner to the Messiah. And he's saying this day spring is about to rise. Amen? And he's just simply saying exactly what was prophesied. He, hallelujah. 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 So again... We're going to go forward now a little bit. I want to give you give us all this foundation, if you will. I know, it, it's, to me, it's about the Word of God. It's Scripture. So that's where we have to go. Matthew four twelve. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea, the, re, the regions of Zebulon, Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen great light. And upon those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, light was or has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent! 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 Because grace and mercy are at your, at your door. Repent because grace has got you covered now. You can go ahead on now. Just receive my grace. No. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, I'm showing you the whole other aspect, what life, true life is all about. Behold, I'm showing you a kingdom which you can't imagine, but now I'm going to have to reveal it to you, a kingdom that operates and is governed by a totally different set than what you're uh, guiding your life by right now. Amen? All right. Repent. So remember also, when Jesus was uh, being dedicated, when... um, his mom, after the, the, the eighth day, when they went to the temple after Jesus was born, remember Simeon, that old man who was, who was always there, waiting, waiting. And then he also prophesied, didn't he? He prophesied. He prophesied. And when he prophesied, he said that, that has let me see the light. He's let me see the light of the salvation. He's let me see the salvation. He had a, a marvelous thing to say. All this stuff is pointing to Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. The light. Jesus. Again, I'm going to go back to John. I just want to reinforce all of this for all of us. In John chapter 1, beginning verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light. Light that through him might, that all through him might believe. He was not the light, John, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. That true light gives light to every man. By him coming into the world. See, this is, this is the, it's worded a little bit, you know, the King's English. But here, here's what it says in our language. Right? By coming into the world, Jesus gave, gave light to everyone. By coming into the world, Jesus revealed and now gives us, watch, we now have a perception of God. Right? So now look, 
in times that Roman tells us very Romans tells us very clearly that no one's no one has an excuse because the creation says that there's a creator and deep down in everybody's heart you got to try not to believe in God. You got to figure out how you got to make reason not to believe in God. So they say, oh, I'm an atheist. Well, deep down inside you, you're not. You know there's something bigger than you. You're just trying to explain it with something other than God. So deep down inside you, you know there's a God. You know there's something bigger. Well, there's science. Yeah, God created science. And, and what the science, look at the science, look at all the debates that we can have about science. Look at all the scientists, scientists, and scientific reason that doesn't really uh, agree with each other. Look at how science through the ages has changed. As technology increases, we know more. And what we used to believe then, we don't believe anymore. Why? Well, that was scientific, right? That's what was pronounced science back then. But now we have a little bit more uh, capability and ability. And so now, now that we're, we were wrong. Yeah, but that was science. <laughs> Some of you are getting this. That was science. Amen. Some people still believe that. Holy mackerel, Andy. Listen, I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, this, you've got to really work hard. So let's go back to Romans now. When it, that's why I brought that up, because no one's with excuse. But now when Jesus comes into the world, that light, He's giving light. Now all of a sudden, I, I just picture this, that big light bulb going on when I really understood who Jesus was. Bing! Okay, now I got it. God, you do love me. God, you do. God, you do have a better way for me. God, I am stinky on ice. I do stink on ice because I see that Jesus who led a perfect life, who took care of people, who compassion on everybody, who never said a bad word, who this man who just did and lived and, and then he gave up his life and kept his mouth shut. Compared to that, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. But you love me. Hallelujah. Okay, pastor, you know, big deal. See, but I think about things. Now, you, th- you think about how the earth was, what kind of condition it was, where, it's, where it says that darkness, right? That made me think about something way back. In Genesis 6, just listen to me. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great upon the earth and that every intent of his thoughts and heart was evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth and he was grieved in in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, the birds of the air, for I am sorry that I've made them. But Noah, verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of God. But Noah. God extended grace toward one man and through that man regenerated. Are you with me? But then man, being man, got on that same path. Amen. And so now we find ourselves in another place. And even Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be when I come back. People are going to be going about their business. They're going to be marrying, giving away in marriage. They're going to be doing all of these things. They're just going to be going about their everyday life. Why? Nothing sacred. Nothing sacred. Nothing's holy. I know some of you are a little bit bored. Pastor, big deal. We know all this. If we know all this, then why is the Lord having to remind us? Big deal. Why did Jesus have to say in John eight twelve, I am the light of the world. 
He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus right there flat out says it. I am the light of the world. I'm a little bit taken back. Bear with me just a minute. Because this defines Christmas to a believer. This defines. Right? Every, all of the scriptures and the prophecies, some of them then, that I shared with you, it talks about being in darkness and this light comes into the world. Jesus says, okay, I am the light of the world. Right? Amen? If you, it, you shall not walk in darkness. I have a different knowledge. I am now able to perceive God. So I can no longer walk according to the old way. I can't walk according to the way of the world. I can't walk now and celebrate a cultural Christmas. Please hear my heart. This is not about just celebrating Christmas the right way. You understand what I mean. Because there are many, and you know them, many that don't go to church Christmas and Easter. Amen. Right? Amen. And, and I don't mean that ugly. I, I don't mean that ugly. So, so watch. Uh, well, why go? Right? Why go? Because what Jesus is speaking of, what He's saying, I am the light of the world. You have to walk according to now this perception, this light that I've given you. Now I'm showing you how it is to be in relationship with God. I'm showing you how that's played out, how that's walked out in your life. I'm showing you that. So now you can't follow that other way, that dark way, that way that leads to death. Now I've given you this path. Now you follow this path. Amen? Amen. Alright. So just to back that up, in Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, rather expose them. So watch. Let me... I, I, I am... I, I, you know what? Somebody needs to pray for me right now. I am so concerned. Hallelujah. We can't practice cultural Christianity and expect that we're pleasing God. We can't, we can't do that. We, and, and so the Christian, the cultural Christmas that many of us have been celebrating all of these years, uh, I'm not saying that in and of itself is what's going to you know, separate us from God. I'm saying that that might be indicative of how we're walking with God throughout the year. Well, I didn't get... See, that's what I'm saying. Pray for me because I didn't... See, and look, 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 look. I just heard on the radio on the way in. I think it was a Pew study that Christianity is increasingly on the decline and now it's not just that it's on the decline. Many of us know that, but now the velocity at which it's traveling downward. That's frightening to me. How could that be? Did the light get suddenly pulled out of the world where there's no more light and nothing but darkness to follow? People have nothing to walk in except the darkness? No. But some of us have put the 
the light under a basket. See, it starts off where we start to get ridiculed. It starts off where, you know, well, we compromise a little bit here. I'm not, see, I don't want to spoil it for the kids, Pastor. You don't understand. You know what? I'm going to talk about, you know, Santa Claus. The holiday is for the kids. It's all about the kids anyway. Really? Okay. But let me ask you something. When you are bringing up your kids all the way through and you're not really emphasizing the true meaning of Christmas, which is Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. If you're not emphasizing that, by the time your kids get to be teenagers, you think you'll be successful then? Come on. And when they go off to college... And they're hearing all of the bad things. Because let me tell you, uh, you've all heard about the culture war and all this other stuff. My brothers and sisters, this is not a culture war. This is a spiritual war. This is a spiritual war. And listen, culturally, we are losing. We're losing. But the good news, I read the back of the book. We win. We win. We win. You need, listen, this is why he says, you are in need of endurance. Why do we need endurance, Jesus? Because the whole world is going to go dark. And I need some people to remain. I need some people to be the shining city on the hill that cannot be hidden. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So here's the spiritual war. The spiritual war is to get that shining city on the hill to go black. To go dark. And so when that shining city on the hill goes dark, hey, people don't realize how dark the darkness is. Oh, yeah, but, you know, it's a good thing on Christmas we always go and, and I, I know people that don't have, you know, they don't really love God. They're not followers of Christ. But man, right around Christmas they give exceedingly to Metropolitan Ministries. That's a great thing. I'm glad for it. I'm glad that people will be ministered to, will receive you know, food and all that. I'm, I'm very thankful for that. I'm, 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 glad, I'm glad people that have means are doing that. I'm, I'm very glad. But that doesn't change anything. Again, that's a cultural thing. Well, Jesus said to give. Yeah, He did. But if you're giving, listen, look. If you're giving just because you want to be noticed, just because you want to satisfy your own conscience, just because you think in the end, maybe if I pay enough, God will have mercy on me. If you're doing all of those things for that, it's not going to matter anyway. Right? Give, yes. Give, absolutely. I don't have anything. Give what you have. Just like that lady that had the two pennies, right? And Jesus announced it before the whole church. She gave more than anybody. Why? She didn't give out of her abundance. She gave out of her need. She, she gave all she had. Why? It was in her heart to give. My brothers and sisters, that's the kind of giving that Jesus is talking about. Again, I'm not foo-fooing anybody who has uh, a lot of means, you know, making those donations to charity. I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm, I'm hallelujah. And that's part, also part of God's kingdom getting the uh, devil's goods. <laughs> it's true. Well, you guys, you know, heard that, that story, the, the, the poor woman. 
You know, and she's, she's, pray, she gets, she's born again and she's out there praying. She doesn't have really a lot of food. She's living in the house. She has kids. And she's out there praying to God. She lives next door to an uh, atheist, a non-believer. And he hears her praying all the time, all the time. And he's praying and praying. And he's, he gets his goat. He goes ahead and he buys a bunch of groceries. He puts it on her doorstep. She comes home from church. And she starts praising the Lord and thanking the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for these groceries. He becomes irate. He goes over there. The Lord didn't bring you those groceries. I did. She gets back down on her knees and said, Thank you, Lord, for bringing me groceries and making the devil pay for it. <laughs> Hallelujah. My brothers and sisters, is it, this, is, this is an awesome God we serve, and He owns it all. He owns it all. So, listen, we win. But in the meantime, we cannot, let, we cannot be the city that's being blacked out. So when the culture and the law, and it's not even the law anymore, they're going against our laws in telling us that we can't do this, we can't talk about Jesus, we have to get vaccinated, we can't do and we, and if you're an owner of a company, you've got to fall in line, otherwise it's baloney. That's not the law. That's culture. They're trying to... Listen, what they're doing is they are sowing seeds among us so that we pressure each other. What they can't do by the law, they're trying to do with social pressure. I'm just telling you the truth. And so now here we... And I'm saying this to people who are in the church. I'm saying this to my flock. My flock, will we stand? And I'm not saying stand up and when somebody in the grocery store says to you, happy, happy holiday, well, Merry Christmas. That's Jesus? Don't you say that to me. I'm saying it this way. Come on, man. Is that Jesus? It happens to me all the time. And it really rubbed me wrong one day. I mean, it, got, it got me crossways. It was about the third person that said it. Whew. After they said it, it was, a, it was in the grocery line. I started walking out. Hey, Merry Christmas. Well, Happy Holiday, they said to me. And I turned, you know, I turned around on the dime and I got up in there and I started reading them all these scriptures, man, and I just let it go. What'd you say? No, I didn't. <laughs> let me ask you all something. If you heard that I did that, would you be proud of me? Absolutely not. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> because that's not. But listen, that doesn't mean, my brothers and sisters, that I can't let my light shine. In fact, my, does my light shine greater? I say, listen, okay, happy holidays, but I say Merry Christmas. Hope it doesn't offend you, or don't even have to get into a great discussion. Merry Christmas. With a smile, and not show them that I'm perturbed, that this is the third stinking happy holiday that I heard all day. Right? No. <laughs> hey, hey, what's the matter you? This is no, this is Christmas. Buon Natale. Huh? What's the matter, you? What's, what's, hey, do I, have, where are my Spanish speaking folks? Right? <laughs> Come on. What's the matter? ¿Qué pasa? But, but listen, we could, you know, we're having a little fun with it. But see, sh- that's the way we should be. We shouldn't be, see, that's why we, we will lose the culture war. Because we don't present the truth in love, we just present the truth as Pharisees sometimes. Remember, Jesus had a lot of Pharisees living on earth when he came. And those were the persons that he had the most problem with. Those are the persons that he talked the harshest to. All right, I'm just saying. 
I'm just saying. See, remember, I, I, I'm brought back. I want to go back. Could you put uh, the John 3.18, I think it was, up there? Thank you. Remember what comes before this? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, that through him the world might be saved. He could have condemned it, but he didn't. Right? Hallelujah. So then then we go there. He who believes in him is, is not condemned. But he who does not believe in is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is their condemnation, is the condemnation. That light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So my brothers and sisters, I'm, I know I'm backtracking just a little bit here, but maybe the Holy Spirit has a reason for this. Listen, we can't say that we, listen, that we believe in him, that we, 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 you know, and then be cultural Christians because the, the, our life how Jesus has lived, the light that's been revealed to us speaks to something totally different. So then when we do have those opportunities, we don't act and react like a proud human being, like a Pharisee. Someone doesn't believe exactly the same way, so I'm going to be mean to them. Or I'm going to sit there and I'm going to try to make them believe and prove to them that they're wrong. Did I, did I say to you that, that, I think I said it last week, the thing that impressed me about... Um, Bryce, what's his last name? The Heisman Trophy winner, anybody? Bryce, can't remember his last name. I'm so proud of you because that stuff doesn't mean that much to you. But anyway, he's the um, quarterback from Alabama. He won the Heisman Trophy. In his speech, the first thing he did was he thanked Jesus Christ, his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Went through a whole list. But one of the things that he said that really stood out to me was that he, he proved himself right. Right? He didn't say that he proved all of those naysayers in his life, he didn't prove them wrong. He didn't say that. I proved them wrong. They all said I couldn't do it. I was this, I was that, I was the other thing. He, he didn't say I proved them wrong. What he said was, I proved myself correct. He had a belief in him that he could do it. And he didn't focus on what they were saying. And he didn't make that his mission. He wasn't bitter going about his business bitterly. Don't focus on what they're doing. Focus on what you should be doing. And that's when your light will shine the brightest. I know I love it. You know, the, the scripture says to us, right, to always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in, within, within us, that resides within us. So, so, so let me ask you, when you are going about your daily business, do you seem hopeful? Do you seem joyful? Do you have these fruits of the Spirit? Right? So now if you're walking out your life according to the light that God has given you through Christ Jesus our Lord, if you're going about, someone's going to ask you something. You're going to have an opportunity. Why? Because the light is now shining through you. Right? Okay. But we have, we have a problem. In 2 Corinthians, you know what? I want to say this too. There's so much I want to say. I've got, I got trouble fitting it in. Think about this. We place so much importance on certain aspects of our Christian walk. And we want to highlight those. We want to play that on the highlight reel. Right? We want that, the, the light to shine. That. Hey, I went to church every time the doors were open. You know, never said a bad word. I quit smoking. Right? I, stopped, I cleaned up my language. Right? 
We want to do that. But my brothers and sisters, there are every aspect of our life, even the hidden things, those things God is going to shine the light on. Right? Those are the things that really make the difference. Well, and, and see, those things say what's really on the inside of us. That's, that's really what that speaks to. Amen? So there are some things that need to be taken away from us. There are some things, and I don't mean taken away from us as punishment or anything. There are some things that still need to be worked out. You're not right? Okay, I know that, you know, ticks a lot of people off when I say stuff like that, but that's the truth. Okay, so now let's go to Second Corinthians. I'm going to start reading in uh, chapter 4, beginning verse 2. We, <clears throat> we reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We teach the truth before God, and all who are honest know this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, now remember, I'm giving you context, because he had just spoken about Moses when he came down. You know, it was veiled, and then the, the, uh, the, the word of God being kind of veiled to the children of Israel, okay? The good news we preach is hidden behind a veil. It is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. Hallelujah. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. Look at verse 6 with me. For God, who said, let, the, let there be light, For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Did you hear that? For God said, let there be light in the darkness. He has made the light, this light shine in our hearts so we know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus. Hallelujah. We now, we now have this, this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. So we still we have this light of the glory of God inside the human bodies. So we still have our bodies and our minds and things like that to contend with. Right? We still have to go about our daily lives in the flesh. But we can do it with the foreknowledge, with the foreknowledge of the glory is to come and the glory that now is. Why? Because He's given us that, Right? I know that's a lot of words, but my brothers and sisters, when I, when I read this, when I was doing the study and, and I read this, immediately what came to my mind was Judges. Remember in Judges, and we were there not too long ago, in Judges, when Gideon was uh, getting the army to fight against the Midianites, right? Remember what happened? Remember he had all of those thousands of men, and God said, no, 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 you know, whoever does this, he whittled them down, 32,000 men down to, I think it was that, please forgive me if I'm a little off old guy trying to remember. But listen, he whittled it down to 300. There were 300 men going against thousands. And remember, the, the night before, right, uh, Gideon, Gideon goes down, he sneaks in and he hears them talking and they're afraid. This is, you know, they're hearing about this. Oh, this is the sword of God. Gideon is the sword of God. This is God. You know. And so they go down. Gideon says, okay, I got a plan. Okay? One hand, you have a torch in a pot. Right? The other hand, your trumpet, your, Right? So now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to divide into hundreds and we're going to surround them. And now, when you hear the horn, you break the clay pot, say the sword of God and of Gideon. Remember that? My brothers and sisters, 
this ministered to me. I hope it ministers to you. My brothers and sisters, it's time that we start breaking these clay pots so that torch, that light, starts to shine. The problem is we're keep, we keep forgiving ourselves. We keep thinking that we're just clay. We're just dust. We're just this. We're just that. But God is putting a treasure in you. It's time that you go ahead and break that clay pot. Stop giving yourself permission just to be human and not to be a supernatural human empowered by Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Yeah, Tony, that sounds good in theory, but we got to put it to work. Yes, you do. You have to put it to work. You cannot continue to be sucked up by the culture. Teenagers, you cannot go ahead and say, you know, hey, I'm just a young person. You know, I'm not there yet. I'm not old like Pastor Tony. I still got a lot of life to live. I still got some things I want to do. Okay, do them. But do them under the power and authority of Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit. There's not a thing. They're not doing anything that you'll miss for very long. They're not doing anything that will go ahead and add to their increase for their future. Oh, they may make a little bit of money. They may be a little bit more popular. They may not have to suffer some, uh, some of the, uh, the, the, the shame that, and the scorn that you get for being a Christian. Oh, you know, goody-goody this and goody-goody that or whatever they say in these days. They might not, you know, teenagers help me out a little bit here. You know, people help me out a little bit here. Come on. You may not be the most popular kid in the class because you're following Jesus. You carry a Bible. You read the Scriptures. But guess what? You're going to be one of the most popular when you stand before God. And you stand before God and He's going to tell you, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Come and move in. Come on! That's a big thing. I know when you're young, you don't look that far into the future. And when you get to be my age, you see, well, I'm on the downhill side of this thing, so there ain't nothing better for me to do. No, no, no. I'm still a red-blooded human being. I'm still a man. I still live in a body that still has lust, that still has desires, that still can be yapped at and still want to be popular, still want to be loved, still want to be liked, want all of these things. Come on. So, listen, just because I'm old and i got a little gray hair, a lot of gray hair, just because that doesn't mean that we don't know, or none of us don't, don't that we don't know what you're going through. Amen. We know, we've lived there, been there, done it. Bought the t-shirt, as they say. My brothers and sisters and my young brothers and my young, no matter where you find yourself in this life, at this, pot, this season, it doesn't, where you are, there is a light that's been revealed to you. And you are, re- listen, and you are responsible to let that light shine. Yeah, you can still study. You can still have this, uh, this desire to go to college and, and to study this uh, area or this field or uh, be a doctor, be a lawyer, be whatever it is that you want to be. Man, that's great. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And He'll be in the middle of that, of that PhD with you. He'll be in the middle of that uh, tech school. He'll be in the middle of that relationship that you have with that opposite sex. And when the world is telling you about all of these other things that are so normal, and the par- your parents and, and people like me are telling you, well, that's not really how God intended it. If, if you are with God, that light will be revealed to you and you will understand it. Come on, and you will have help. You'll have an inner strength, something that you can... Did I suddenly get off track here? 
Come on. He is the light of the world. Christmas is about Jesus being the light of the world. And that light now being inside of us. We know better. He's showing us. Hallelujah. Walk according to the light. Hallelujah. You see, did he break off that clay pot? Why are you, listen, why are you doing that? Why are we just going ahead and giving ourselves, let me ask y'all, oh boy, I got to go here. This is not, see, this is why I can't fill this place because I always have to go here. We got to Christmas parties this year. Hmm. Did you do what they did? How, you know, did, you, did you have to go ahead and, you know, uh, drink a bunch? Did you, you know, maybe do a little smoking? Did you do, you know, do little other things, something, you know, just to have a good time? Did you do things that they did? Right? Do, do you hear what I'm saying? Okay. See, because I, I addressed the young people a minute ago, but uh, us older people aren't immune to it either. Right? We have our opportunities. Listen to allow ourselves certain things. Well, you know, they drank wine in the Bible. Well, they did... Listen, you have something far better than wine, than drugs. You have Holy Spirit of God. Be not drunk with wine where it is in excess, where it is dissipation, but be ye being filled with the Holy Ghost. God is, off, God is saying to you something very plainly. There's some, I have something better for you. I have something that, listen, that will make your light shine brighter. I have something that will show you more light. Glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. Oh my gosh. Did I lose you? Last scripture. Maybe. Second Peter 1. It will be up on the board, I think. Second Peter 1, did I give you that one? Praise God. Put it up. There you go. Hallelujah. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as light that shines in a dark place. Do you see that? Now when Peter's addressing them, what prophetic word, he's speaking to all of the Old Testament that, listen, and now look at how it was fulfilled in Christ. Right? You, we have the prophetic word confirmed. And just before this, he act, absolutely, he, he, he gives testimony about God saying that Jesus is his son. The voice out of heaven. Remember, he witnessed. He was there. So he's witnessing that. So he says, we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as light that shines in a dark place. Until the day dawns that the morning star rises in your heart. Until that day when the fullness... Right? When we see the light in its entirety, when we see the fullness, when we are revealed to Him, for now we know in part, but then face to face. Right? Now we see through a glass dimly. Right? Man, oh man, are y'all still awake with me this morning? Hallelujah. As that day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. My brothers and sisters, we have even a wider, a longer revelation. We have more revelation. We have the confirmed word, the confirmed prophecies, right? Jesus confirmed them, right? There were more things that were confirmed through the apostles, by the Holy Spirit. Amen? And then we have further scriptures. 
to help us, to show us how... See, my brothers and sisters, I I know I'm repeating, but please, I've got different people in here, and I want to say this. I've said this before. It's a lot harder to to do, to walk out. But when we're... um, when we're trying to imitate Jesus, this is what we're called to do. When we're trying to imitate Jesus, Jesus was a 30-something-year-old man. And he never had a family. But here we are, Terry. We're working our tails off, supporting a family. You've got to go to work every day. Right? We're grinding it out. We've got all of these things. We've got families. We're, we're homemakers. We're trying to work in our houses so our husband can go and, and be gone do what he does. Or we're even uh, homemakers and we're working outside the house. We're doing all of these things to try to keep everything together. And we're working hard and we're, we've got classes when we're children and we've got, or young people, and then we've got homework and all this stuff. Jesus never had, as far as we know, he didn't do that. He didn't have a family. He, didn't, he was a carpenter for a while. He knew what it was like to work. But, but he wasn't a husband. He certainly wasn't a wife. He didn't, he didn't have any children, no matter what Dan Brown says. He didn't have any children. But that's why we have the rest of the scriptures where you have these epistles, these letters to the churches where the apostles are receiving words from Holy Spirit of God saying, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Where he's saying, wives, watch, respect your husband. Right? So many things in here. Talks to us about socioeconomics. It doesn't matter where you come from, what you did, or what nationality you are, what race you are, what shape, size, or whatever, ethnicity you are. None of that matters because in Christ we're all one. Does it say that? Right. So my brothers and sisters, so it doesn't, we've got this word in us. We've got it. And we've got Holy Spirit in us. Not Listen, to understand it, to understand it, and then to help us live it out. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus is the light of the world. Christmas is about... Listen, no more cultural Christmases. No more. I want to look and make sure that the things that I'm doing... And I don't want to be a cultural Christian where I've got some things in my life curtailed, I've got some, uh, things, some bad habits or some things that they're doing I won't do, but there are other things that I will. Why? Well, you know, I'm an American. What? No, no more. Jesus is the light of the world. And He has placed the light in us. Amen? Amen. Amen. And I've got good news for you this morning. It doesn't matter what you felt like or what you thought before you came in here. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what mark you missed during the week. It doesn't matter how bad you were or whatever. God is here. God is here. We are gathered in His name and He is in the midst. Jesus said, two or three, I'm in the midst. And He is God. So God is in the midst. All we have to do is just say, God, how does this apply to me? Show me, Lord. You might, he might, Holy Spirit might have already convicted you. And, and awesome thing, awesome thing. Praise God. Be thankful and grateful. Young people, you may have dreaded being here for this hour, whatever it's been. But I'm guaranteeing you that God knows that you are here. And God loves you. God loves you. He loves you. And He intended for you to hear this. So you don't have to fold to the culture. You don't have to be like them. And you don't have to think that you've got all of these experiences that you must have before you can totally sell out to God. No. He could come back tonight. 
be sold out to God now. Go with what you know now. Amen? And here's what I know. Jesus Christ came to the world to shine light, to show us the way, to give us this light of knowledge of the glory of God. And then He went to a cross so that He could pay the price that I couldn't pay myself. And above all things, you know what Christ, you know what we're taught in the Bible? It doesn't say, He doesn't say, remember my birthday. Does He ever say that? What does He say? Remember my death. Remember my death. Remember my death. Why? Because, because in that, His love was poured out for you. He paid a debt that I couldn't pay. He poured out His love for you so that you don't have to be a cultural Christian. You could be an enlightened Christian, born again. Amen? Stand with me, please. You can come, the praise team can come forward.